Hello and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. This week we have some sort of like bird game or something. It just it's just a bunch of like bird people doing bird business and practicing bird law. It's called Providence and it's mostly rules and I didn't really like it and I think John liked it more than I did because he's a nerd. Anyway, it's System Mastery. everybody, welcome back to System Mastery. It's me, your host Jeff, joined as always by my irascible, cantankerous old, uh, I don't know, prospector of a co-host, John. Well, I tells you, there's gold in them thar books. There it is, that's what I wanted to hear. Maybe something about how someone jumped your claim. Oh, somebody done jumped my claim. Oh, dude, can we go to claim jumpers? Uh, no, probably not. I don't think there's... One's still open. There used to be one near us-ish. Well, that, I think there's there's one. I think they might know where there is a claim jumper. Eh. Yeah, I know of at least the locations of two. Don't you want to get a baked potato the size of your brain? Don't you just want a steak that you could use as a weapon? I think my favorite thing there is that everything's big, even stuff that you wouldn't like. If you your plate has an apple on it for some reason, it's the size of a fucking pumpkin. Yeah, We're just like we we got freakish mutant apples. We're claim jumper. We have that kind of money. <laughs> Look, it's all we get. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it tastes good or not. If it's big, we buy it. Oh no, it's just a pumpkin spray painted red. <laughs> Take a bite, asshole. Eat the fucking pumpkin. <laughs> Welcome to claim jumpers. Eat the fucking pumpkin. <laughs> Fourteen ninety nine. Uh, so uh, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah, that's good to hear. I heard you have an exciting new uh, Kickstarter you're waiting on. Yes, indeed. Waiting to get uh, a new board game, which is always fun. Oh, I'm waiting for like eight of them. It's it's the only thing that keeps me going in the morning. Yeah, that I and my have no daughter, idea I guess. when I'm going to get this board game. Yeah. But... Oh, the, did the Kickstarter like just finish? Uh, it finished a little while ago. They seem... Like they've got their stuff together, but uh, I mean, it'll still be however long it's going to be. But uh, it's a sieve building game. Okay. So. Sounds good. I haven't supported one in a bit. And right now I'm in that doldrum cycle. Where right, I, I, I'm sure everyone else who was listening to this is a big old nerd as well. So they know that shipping has never been more complicated than it is right now. Yes. I mean, since the dawn of modern shipping. I'm pretty sure it's probably more complicated than like the 1300s. <laughs> No, it was just, hey, can you ship me this thing? I cannot. I cannot, because uh, we don't know how. Also, your country doesn't exist. Up yours. Why are you talking to me? Who are you? Ah! What is Kickstarter? Witches. You're a demon. <laughs> how did you get in my house? But uh, but no, because of uh, because of COVID and because of a bunch of other factors, it's harder to ship things places. So basically, I have like eleven Kickstarters that are live at the moment, and all I do once once a week, I get a message from them. It's like, hey, once again, we were unable to ship anything to anywhere. Once again, every factory we went to to try and make our thing was like, nah, you'll gotta wait in line. Yeah, I think it's fun. It's funny to see the differences at this point. That's pretty much what I'm. Uh, it's like a like a sociology experiment for me now, where something like some minor board game called Dice Miner that I backed, which is like you roll dice and assemble them into pools. It's like a it's like a a deck builder, but dice. Yeah. It, the guy who's running it is 100% honest, and the game looks fine. It's a regular, just big piles of dice in a dwarf mountain. I'm I'm excited about it. It looks fun. 
But he's 100% honest. He's like, hey, this is what's going on with shipping. We can't get shipped. Oh, my God, we finally got a boat. It's going to the wrong fucking port. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm doing what I can. Yeah. And then I've got, like, a big deal one made by, I don't know, IDW or whatever, which is the Batman game. And they are just lying to us. <laughs> and it's fun to see the lies. Come. Each week, they're like, we promise we'll put out an update. They're always increasingly late. And most of them are just busted up chunks of videos we showed you eight months ago. The games are doing fine, we promise. Everything's fine. As this soon- game is at a farm upstate, and it's it- having fun. Yeah. We'd love to show you pictures, but all of our cameras are just so blurry. <laughs> Unfortunately, our girlfriend, who who's the one with the camera, is a famous model and is too busy doing a shoot in Canada to, to uh, take pictures of the models right now. Hopefully next week we'll get you an update from Niagara Falls, where we met. <laughs> I would love to show you pictures of Batman, but the president just called <laughs> and said I am so muscly that I don't have to. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Anyway, that's been fun. Good. Uh, but we read a game. Should we talk about the game we read, do you think? Sure. I mean, I we suppose. always read a game. I mean, we do. Yeah. We, all, we, all we the always time, do. All the time we read a game. All time read a game. <laughs> Should start another one as soon as we're done with this podcast. You're damn right. <laughs> But we read a game called Providence. Yes, the Providence main rule book, yeah. which is weird because I thought Providence was in Rhode Island. Ha <laughs> ha! You see, because Providence main mm, rule mm, book. Mm, you yeah, see, I'm see making that. jokes about you're, American geography. Yeah, you're joking at a 1930s level. <laughs> How did you get in here? <laughs> you're a boogan. <laughs> I left a glass of milk for you outdoors. How come you're in here making jokes and not cobbling my shoes? (laughs) Uh, I would love for you to go back into the 1860s. They'd be like, dear God, you're the world's fattest man. I'd be like, yeah, put me in a sideshow. Everyone will love me. Look at this man. Why, he weighs over 250 pounds. (laughs) It's impossible, we tell you. No one could ever reach such a weight yes only by by a uh, band and evil practices from far araby has someone developed the skills to become so tor- so corpulent <laughs> uh. Uh, but anyway the book is it's interesting because it's got a very kind of generic name it's just called providence and honestly it's been sitting on my shelf for a while and i i thought it was a god game huh because of the name. I thought it was going to be... Uh, and, and after the shellacking we took for how mean we were to Testament, I've been more or less scared to touch another Jesus game. Nah, I want it. <laughs> I mean, this is definitely not it. Even if, when you first open it, you assume it will be, because it's like, ah, uh, some call us devils and some call us angels, but you will see that we are the truth. And you're like, oh, God, no. You see, we are both, for we could be your devil. Or your angle. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, everyone's got wings in it. So even when you flip through the art, you're like, oh, oh, this is very much a Jesus game. You're playing as like angels. You're going to be the emissary of the Lord. Yeah, there was, I mean, and there's pictures of people with like, ooh, they've got, spooky bat or dragon wings and stuff and those must be demons and you think this mostly because the game is like 300 pages long and they don't talk about the setting until page 270 no the closest you get is a bunch of like uh fiction short story stuff yeah you get a little interstitial story in between each chapter yeah uh 
but that doesn't tell you even the stuff at the end doesn't seem to tell me enough about the world to really I have a kind of top down cosmological understanding of what's happening here. But the day to day operations of what you, the player, do are kind of out of focus. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's a weird thing where I looked at the the general information that they give you. Which, I mean, fuck it. Let's just start with the setting instead of going into the rules. Let's go topsy-turvy, baby. Yeah, let's see if we can spend all hour on the 30 pages of the back of the book. So, the setting itself is interesting in that it's, you know, basically uh, a fantasy superpower Australia. Yeah, it's kind of, well, it's kind of, I guess so. I mean, sort of a... Are we saying Australia is in like because the, the they continent? sent prisoners there? <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. That's that's fine. I can see where you're coming from. I thought you were trying to make some sort of like Aboriginal Dreamtime comparison. No, I okay. was saying because this is a planet that they sent all of their prisoners to and then forgot about it. Yeah. So in some senses, it, like in a uh, Douglas Adams sense, just sort of Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But uh, the main setting is just there was a place where there was a caste system mm -hmm. and there were people who were as gods and uh then some people were like wait a minute caste systems suck we want to rebel against that and make it so that all are equal and they fought against the people who were in charge the gods and lost they lost but they did establish in doing so that the gods were not gods but oh were no merely... the gods were on their side and oh, that's, lost that's right there were also gods who were on their side i thought there were gods on both sides i thought that was the whole thing yeah. that they, they, there were some of the gods they had some like prometheus level gods who were like yes verily we shall help you mortals oh no my liver <laughs> uh because they established that the gods weren't gods they were just powerful people called the elotherim um and the Elotherim still won, kicked their asses, and consigned everybody who lost uh, through a gate into a prison world where those who went with them who were assigned by the the uh, winners of the war to do so would be the wardens of the great prisons that they would live in. Yeah. And it was only after everyone marched through and established their great prisons that they realized the gates were one-way gates. And now everyone's trapped on this other bubble planet. Even the wardens are but prisoners here. Yeah, there was a time when they were like, Ah, yes, we're going to lord it over these guys. Ha ha. Oh, shit, we can't leave. <laughs> ah, crap. This is the Stanford prison experiment, isn't it? <laughs> Fuck. Well, well, at least we're the guards. And magic in this was known only to the actual houses because when the losers lost, I guess they got their bending taken away because they were mm -hmm. like, ah, oh, you're not allowed to do that. And we made it so you can't cast magic. So now... Only the like high, the descendants of the houses that were the wardens of this planet can still like teach magic and do stuff, and they made their own caste system based on who has wings. Uh-huh. Or barring that, who has working and not working wings and various types and of things in between. Like you might have glider membranes that stretch that give you like flying squirrel flaps. Well yeah, you've got a a structure of at the top is People with wings, and they're super good, and they work. Yeah. And then people with wings that sort of work. And then people with Flip <laughs> glider flappy. membranes. Yeah. And wings that somehow don't work, probably because they got damaged or messed up. Yeah. Then uh, no-wing peoples. Yeah. Are at the bottom. And then at, at the super bottom are exiles that you've been cast out of society. Yeah. Now, notably, there's a lot of art in this book, and a lot of it's kind of neat. But there isn't a single picture anywhere in the entire book ever of anyone with glider flaps, which is sad 
because they talk about it a bunch. There's, I mean, in the 30 pages of stuff, they're like, oh yeah, they established all of these houses based on what type of wings you got and how big you are. Yeah. Because it's, again, everything in this caste system and also the like guild houses that you would belong to are just based on what you look like. Yeah. So if you get born to some family and you're like, oh, I'm just a little guy and it's my birthday and I've got bat wings, then you're like, you're in house bat. The troopial bat. Uh, get out of here. Yeah. But if you're born and you're like, I'm eight foot tall and I got big ass bird wings, they're like, come on into house falcon, you piece of shit. Welcome to being a king or an angel or a major domo or some crap. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there is house serif. And- uh, no, that's serif and, uh, and Ibli. Or Iblii are the di- the oh disti- Iblii. Uh, Seraph and Iblii are the distinctions between having feathered wings and having leathered wings. Yes, uh, and then it further subdivides into a bunch of of troopials. And troopials are basically when John says house or clan, he means troopial. But I'm not going to say that word because it's it's terrible and bad, and I don't want it. <laughs> troopials tend to be divided up by animal, even though you may not look like that kind of animal, because these aren't mutant bird people. They're humans with wings. Yeah. And sure, they come in funky colors. They're like, oh, yeah, a lot of them have green or, or splashes of red all over them or something. They have colors that, that would evoke birds, but they are not birds, nor, nor are any part of them but the wings feathered. Yes. Uh, but you'll still be in like, I'm in Troopial Raven, or I'm in Troopial Bat, or uh, so on and so forth, including some that aren't even like, you know, there's Dragon and Gargoyle. Yeah. Uh, and as you can probably imagine, Dragon is mostly bad guys. Gargoyle is mostly big, bruisey barbarian types. It, it it tends to shake down pretty much the way you'd expect it to, although it is a very high concept setting. And it's it's still so weird to me that they're like, ah, yes. You will just get sent someplace based on what you look like. And they're like, ah, all the gargoyles love to get into fights and do stuff. I'm like, really? Because it seems like you'd have a lot of varied people from varied places Hmm? that would then be like, well, I guess you're a gargoyle. We couldn't actually decide where to put you until you grew up. Because the difference between, like, house gargoyle and dragon is about a foot of height so we don't know where you go until you finish growing i mean all the images in the book and i don't know if the art in this book is a solid reference for anything because mostly it it looks like they commissioned a bunch of people to just draw angels and called it a day yeah Uh, and one guy to draw leather guys because there's so many leather wing dudes and they all pretty much look the same they all have the same kind of big uh, 1997 edgelord helmet uh (laughs) that you're that you think okay well gargoyles do tend to kind of look like Disney's gargoyles. And I think they probably have powers that relate to like, I think it's one of those things where when they constantly are telling you, Hey, if you grow up to be eight feet tall and you've got leather wings, yeah, you're going to house gargoyle, but you'll know before that. Cause you'll have bumpy knobby skin and you'll be like, I Turn shall stone. Call my- <laughs> yeah. I call myself Brooklyn after, I don't know, a part of New York or something, something I call myself main street. USA. <laughs> okay. Um, what else is there? To t- so the, the world they live in is a big sphere. Uh, in, they live on the inside of a giant sphere. They call it a bubble world over and over again. Uh, it's a verdant jungle with two massive oceans. Most, uh, uh, Even though they've all been trapped there for 2,000 years, uh, most of it is unexplored, even though they can all fly. Yeah. Well, you know, it takes some you know, endurance to fly around. It's not just, like, free. I know, we'll get into that in a bit. It costs endurance, which is one of this game's substats, to do everything. 
If you want to fight for a round of combat, you got to pay one endurance to fight that round. Uh, now, as well, there are... They don't really give a lot of stats for the bad guys in this. None. Or at they all. Just, they just mention the four kinds of but, bad guys. They're not really bad guy, but, but wild races. Yeah, I was going to say, there are essentially four places that they know exist, but they don't go to. Yeah. And those are mostly, like prison populations that split off whereas the main ones who all sort of came together in whatever the main kingdom is uh all decided to get wing stuff a lot of the other ones were like oh we turned into snake people or whatever yeah there are three primary kingdoms that make up the part of the society that you play in uh which are uh the the court of heaven or the court of angels or whatever which is the the basic like the cities that you'd be playing as people from the mercantile courts which is just sort of like the banking clans from star wars and then the last one is the wardens because there are most of the prisons were like okay now we've realized we're also prisoners here so in order to maintain our bloodlines and try and not go crazy we're just gonna let the prisoners go and start breeding with them and kind of create a society but there are two or three prisons left they're like nah fuck that we want our power and so those people are still the warden states like i think it's called bone whale yeah and that ended up being fucked up because uh when you get a Habsburg in this reality instead of it just being a dude who has like lots like, of problems lots of health problems they're literal monsters yeah they turn into monsters move to abandoned cities and start raising more monsters to come out and fuck you up yeah so but even then the wardens and their bone whale cities and so on are still like this recognizably the same sort of thing as the people from the courts of heaven or whatever um so they're like, you know, you can talk to them, you can reason with them, you can bargain with them. There are also four civilizations out in the wilderness. One of them is there's insects, snakes, dirt, and the last one is uh, probably crows, but no one knows because they're so secret. Ooh. Called the white crows. Yeah. Um, and then you've also got the blue barracudas. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> what I was the the. Insect people are the the closest to something you could reason with. They they are t- they are you can talk to them. Uh, they are bargain with a bull probably because they also have wings. Yeah, they have bug wings. Yeah, they they have wings the same way. But their whole thing being hive mind is like, oh, we don't have the same like caste system you do because everyone just wants to do what's good for the hive. Honestly, the hive one sounded way more appealing to me on the quick read through at the end of the oh, book. Oh yeah, where it was like, how do they organize into structures? Oh well. They get together in groups and tell every one of the weaknesses of one is covered by the strengths of another. And as soon as as soon as they're cohesive in a unit where all of their weaknesses are covered by each other, they stop and that's a family unit. Yeah. I was like, fuck, that's rad. That's a way better way to organize your society than who has wings. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> reading through that, I was like, okay, they're cool. And I don't like the white crows because they're just, ooh, They're mysterious secret that not even we, the authors of the book, know anything about. Uh, and, you know, the lizard people are just like, ah, we're lizard people. We're, Snake types. Yeah, uh, we're angry and we have spears. And you're like, all yeah, right, I get it. Junk. They're just lizard men. And then the dirt people are basically swamp thing. Yeah. Like, they're, I, I call them dirt. They're, more, they're called the green, green men. And theoretically, they should be more plant than dirt. But they actually say they have soil for flesh. And they plant seeds in their own soil, and then they're... They are living (laughs) chia pets. Yeah, they're living gardens uh, that can stay underwater for a long time. It was like the one trait they gave them. There's no stats or anything else about them beyond one paragraph of description each, and then consistent references throughout the short stories. Yeah, it's weird that you would have that, 
Because, like, we mentioned that this game is very full of rules, and the fact that you would mention, like, very specific things that are like, these are probably going to be your antagonists outside of, you know, other people who are just sort of the same as you, you'd think they'd at least give you, like, here's a stat block per. Like, here's yeah. your average lizard dude. I kept expecting the last two pages. I'd be like, okay, last 50 pages of this thing are going to be the bestiary. They've mentioned so many kinds of monsters and so on. Here comes the 50 pages that are the bestiary. Okay, no. All right, we're we're doing we're doing something else. Okay, it's an inventory section. Maybe the last 30 pages are bestiary. Nope, story of the game. Okay, great. Maybe the last 10 pages, inventory again. Okay, eight pages, index. Ah, oh, there's no bestiary. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird, given that they have all of these different clans of like non-angel type folks plus you've got like the monsters that roam the wild places that are you know just the inbred children of weird wardens mm-hmm. who somehow still protect them for some reason there are even elotherim monsters which are like the monsters from the world that was that are somehow in here and they're like the dragons of this setting not the dragons the cast of the troopial of dragons <laughs> but like the dragons is in the big scary monsters yeah, but uh, it's interesting enough. That's basically all you get. It's just you'll play as one of these and probably either you're going to spend your time like defending your borders or exploring, you know, other parts or trying to figure out a way to reverse the gateway so that you can go invade your old home planet. So I got to say that the setting ideas are very out there and very cool. Like the whole thing where it's like, oh, you play as a bunch of crazy looking bird people trapped in a prison bubble dimension trying to find an escape. But the uh, the mechanics and also some aspects of the story are like all cribbed from somewhere else. Because one thing that's happening here is that magic on this world is exactly like magic on Dark Sun, where you pull life energy out of the world around you and eventually it corrupts and breaks the world. Oh, yeah, there are there's weird energy spelled weird without an E. Uh, and yeah, it's weird. W I R D. The uh, the weird energy is how you cast spells, and one of the most troubling new things is that now there are th- people called shards that instead of learning magic, just have magical abilities. Yeah, they're they're super people. They basically the game has magic people, super people. Yeah, you got wizards and superheroes are your yeah. choices. Yeah, or neither. You, I guess you could play like a, a, a regular a, dude, a skill man. I don't. I don't even think you can because there are three buckets of points for character creation, and one of them is magic. Well, there's four, and oh. one of them is normal, and you get nothing for magic. <laughs> That's fair. No, no, no. I'm not talking about the uh, the tiers. There are four tiers: normal, low, medium, high, which are like the levels of of power and play. I'm talking about the buckets. The uh, you get you get points for stats, you get points for skills, and you get points for magic but you can spend your magic on either shard or on uh on weird casting magic yes um and i'm saying at normal you get no magic that's fair points. you can play yeah no you're you, you've got it we're talking about the columns and the rows of the same chart right now yes we're not that far off base no one has made a mistake <laughs> everyone no, no one here... put in the newspaper that i made a mistake <laughs> everyone here's correct uh-huh <laughs> okay great and there's also a fourth bucket of points that isn't mentioned in the point bucket listing, which is where the trait, that's the trait bucket, ah, which is your merits and flaws, but it's one big list. Uh, I, As much as I would love to talk about 
cities like Cry Spider and Sky Whale or whatever for forever, uh, I think it might be time to start getting into the rules because we're going to be there all day. Oh, yeah. I mean, so is the book. So you you have to make your character based on point by, and like we mentioned, you've got different tiers of how many points you'll have to spend on any given thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't imagine doing much in this game without being at least at medium the low level you're like oh i'm i'm just a chump so you have 10 statistics to start with uh and those statistics range from negative three to positive three and they keep mentioning humanity they keep saying like uh this is the uh, a zero is the stat of an average human and i'm like the fuck is a human i thought you were living on the planet yazwale and everyone's a Yazwalian, and and so we keep mentioning human humanity and mankind. Over, are you sure? Yeah. Well, they're humans who were sent here from. I don't think they were humans in the first. They didn't mention Earth in that in that cosmology section. They just said somewhere else. Yeah, you think it was, was Earth. Strongly implied. It was Earth all along. They, <laughs> they went blew and it did up. it. <laughs> Damn you to hell, you bird things. Uh. Anyway, uh. The, the 10 stats, oh god, I don't know. I don't have so them in front of me. they have three categories for it. One is your physical stats, which is going to be your strength, coordination, and constitution. Yeah. You've got your mental stats for your intelligence, willpower, and psyche. And then you've got four more that are kind of a catch Your other stats. Your other. And those are appearance, charisma, perception, and aura. Now, I, I want to mention that... Uh, when you're purchasing them, you get a block of stat points. If you, if you, for example, let's take medium, the your heroes in this world level of power range, and not crazy superheroes, which would be one level higher. Um, you have 25 points to spend, and points are variably costed a lot. Uh, it costs for each level you want in the first six of the stats we just listed, the physical and mental. You multiply the value of the stats you would like by three. And then you can, so for example... And you have to pay for each point. Yes. So to have a strength of two, you need to pay a total of six points. Because it's two times three. Nine. Oh, do you need to pay for... Because you need to pay for each point you get. So getting one point oh, I'm is sorry. three. I meant, say, I meant to say two, not three. My, my, my apologies. To have a strength of two it would cost six points. <laughs> would cost nine points. One point times mm -hmm. three is three points. Yeah. Two points times three is six points. Add those ah, together, yes, right. it's nine, nine points. Nine points, thank you. That is correct, yeah. I, I thought that the progressive stuff only started showing up elsewhere, but you're right, it's here no, too. you have to pay per point. Now, the next three stats, or charisma, appearance, and perception, work the same way, but cost times two instead of times three per point value. Because they're mostly worthless. They're, they're, they don't add up to anything. Uh, they, they, don't, they only show up in some skill calculations and don't show up in any of the substats. Yep. And the last one, Aura, which is kind of your magical expression upon the world, is costed the same, works the same way for purchasing, but costs times four because it's so important. Yes. And at that point, because you're looking at it and everything rated from negative three to positive three, you, you probably want at least a two in your Aura... Which is going to cost twelve some points or something? Yep. Yeah, twelve of, and we're again we're talking about the second highest power level. That's half your starting points for one of your stats. Yeah. Oh, and, and it, they all start at zero. Yes. And the reason you want this is because all of your superpowers, which is pretty much the only interesting thing you're going to have in this game, uh, 
are cued off of that. And if you manage to get to, say, a two aura, the tier you have if you're like a shard uh, is increased by one. If mm-hmm. you manage to get to three, it's increased by two. Uh, and tiers go one to ten, so you can technically get up to an effective twelve yeah. in whatever ability. And the uh, the abilities that you get scale non-logarithmically in that you're like, oh, I got one rank. It does a damage. Then it does three damage. Then it does seven damage. Then it does 12. Now it does 39. Yeah, that one uses, uh, I, what's that called? Uh, I, I have There's a word for it. It's the it's factorial but addition. Yeah, where it, you you add each level to the previous level to determine this. They 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 have a word for it in here that they keep mentioning the additive range. I think they call it. Yeah, and it comes up over and over again. But it ends up being like, oh, did you get like even a rank three or four? If your aura is three, at that point you are throwing around power that it's been a while since we've done our Scion review. Yeah, but it's sort of the same deal where. At the beginning levels of any given power or spell, you can look at it and go, oh, okay, I'm doing, you know, some damage that's comparable to, say, hitting someone with a big sword or shooting them with a crossbow. And, you know, it lets me do some cool powers, but nothing goes, like, off the deep end. The second you hit the break point of, I think it's level four is when it really starts getting nuts. Yeah. As soon as you hit that and above, you're like, Oh, it might as well not even matter. You should just tech check your tier versus someone else's tier yeah. and see if you win. Yeah. Uh, at a certain point, you start doing so much damage that you're just going to kill everybody you shoot at because there's so many substats we got to talk about as well. Uh, there are a starting four substats, body, true body, uh, weird, and endurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, body, and, and here's the thing. This is where the... the I mean, the game lost me originally at that kind of semi-logarithmic stat cost model with variable multipliers where i was like all right you're this is a little much i gotta be honest with you you guys it's a little much but then we get to how do you calculate body oh well you take your your constitution your strength and your psyche you take the best of that and add six add six to the best of it then take the other two average them and add that to you the best of them plus six and that's your body stat then your true body stat is the same thing but if you had any magic or shard abilities that were increasing your body or strength or constitution in any way, you don't count that because magic doesn't add to true body. It's only for if someone targets you in a non a special magical, non-magical way. Well, yeah, because your body, if I'm like, oh, I cast a spell and I get, you know, an ass load of constitution, they're like, cool. When someone hits you with a sword, you're going to count that against being hurt by the sword because you got all buff. Yeah. But if someone's like... Oh, I want to, I don't know, wither your ability to do things. You're like, oh, that's my true body because you're magically affecting me. Yes. Uh, endurance is equivalent to your constitution score. Let's let's make sure I do my PEMDAS here correctly. <laughs> Open parentheses, constitution plus four, close parentheses, times four. Yes. That's uh, that's your that's your endurance stat. God, I can't believe I'm doing this without the notes in front of me. John, confirm I don't have the notes in front of me. He does not, folks. I'm Woo! impressed, honestly, right now. <laughs> Last one's going to be a little harder. Aura is, uh, I'm sorry, uh, weird is aura plus, I want to say, psyche or willpower plus three times eight. Uh, if, I, if, I, if I'm if i right, I think, oh, is it plus eight times three? It's plus eight times three. Yes. You take, the, you take your aura and your psyche 
Aura and willpower. Willpower. One of those two. I don't. I, I, I honestly don't remember what the difference is. Uh, willpower is your wisdom. Psyche is literally a measure of your mental health. Yes. Uh, which I didn't care for either. Uh, but that's very 1997. Which, by the way, 1997 game release. Yeah, I mean having appearance and psyche in there i was like i don't give a shit about either of those <laughs> no i know I, I, th those were just chances to score some extra points by dropping them into the negatives although you don't get logarithmic point advantage by dropping them into negatives you get the value you took in negatives so if you go to a negative two appearance you get two extra points not nine or yeah. eight or whatever it is i think if you go to negative three you can squeeze out an extra and get four points maybe yeah but it's not good but uh, the uh weird which is your score for like casting spells or activating your shard powers is let's let's say it's willpower that sounds right aura uh, open parentheses aura plus willpower plus eight close parentheses times three yes uh okay so those are your four substats now body sounds like it's going to be your hit point stat. Usually, if you have an average character or a slightly above average character, you should have eight body. But here's a fun thing about the way hit points work in this game. That is that is a benchmark for when you mark off whether or not you have taken a wound, because this game has both a hit point track, actually has two hit point tracks, and a spiraling death wound track. Well, it technically doesn't have it hit does, points. It doesn't have any hit points at all. No. But it has just two have, benchmark tracks. You just have wounds that you will take. Yeah. Uh, they are based on whatever the worst wound you've taken, you get a penalty. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not cumulative. So if I take, like, a minus one wound, and then I take two more minus one wounds, I'm still just at minus one. Yes. Uh, because there's minor, there's what? There's minor... Slight? Slight, slight, serious, and grave, I think is what they are. Yeah, and then lethal. No, if le something yeah. can actually kill you. And lethal would kill you. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, and then all you do to get rid of those is heal, which is slow. And it's also another thing where they add the thing to the previous thing. Well, it depends so if much it's of that. slow on whether it was soft or hard damage. Oh, right, because there's also two kinds of damage. Well, you know, lethal and non-lethal. Mm -hmm. Soft and hard. Yeah. Don't worry, though. You can kill people with non-lethal damage. Well, you got to knock them out first and then just keep punching them. No, you can hit them hard enough. If you do six times their body, it's an overwhelming sl slam. Oh, yeah it's, yeah. it's, what, two or three times as much as you would need to do... Yeah, to for, kill for hard them with damage. lethal damage. Yeah, yeah, if you hit them hard, but if you can hit, do them for six times their body stat in one hit with a soft attack, like a club wound or something. It's funny to me that they're like, hard damage is things like crowbars. Soft damage is things like clubs. <laughs> like, I guess, guys. <laughs> I mean, the the interesting thing, again, is you look at that and then you look over at, say, a power. And you're like, ah, yeah, you know, if you can manage to do like... I've got a, if you're kind of buff and you're like, yo, I've got a body of nine, it would, you'd have to hit an 18 damage to fuck me up. And you're like, yeah, that's like a level three power. <laughs> like <laughs> the second you get into a decent range, you're like, oh, I'll murder anyone I hit. Anyone and everyone. The game feels very cla glass cannony. Yeah. Granted, the armor system is smart in that regard. The armor system just subtracts uh, the its armor value from the the uh, amount of severity of the wound you would have taken. It, and it doesn't the armor itself doesn't take damage, which I was at least happy to see because it feels like this game has every single other combat rule it possibly could from every game ever made. It's just like put it in there, multiple damage types, put them in there, multiple wound tracks, put them in there, put them all in there, put everything fucking in there. Uh, action advantage, put it in there. But uh, at least armor doesn't degrade. <laughs> yeah the the game has a. A point in it where it also lets you know we have regular rules and advanced rules. 
the advanced rules are going to be in little sidebars with italics. And so the advanced rules also give you, if in case you want crits, hit locations, mm-hmm. and other nonsense that you might have been missing. Hell, we've already passed by a bunch of the advanced rules. Like, you can split all of the stats into two or three more stats yes. if you would like more stats. If you're like, oh, I want my constitution to actually tell me how, like, hearty I am yeah. and then how, like, much I can do, like, per day? That it's is, weird shit. I don't usually, know. Usually that's, that seems to be reserved for the 80s. It's kind of, this is kind of a late-appearing game for the thing where they're like, well, you could take strength or you could split it up into buffness and strongly-tude. <laughs> And you're like, why would I want to do that? It's advanced. It, it isn't. It's it's unnecessarily Maybe complicated. you can squeeze a weird corner case plus one where you might not have. I mean, that's the kind of shit we saw in, like, uh, I don't know, Champion or, or uh, it, that, that game where you played as time-traveling heroes or that that, Ar- that Mar Barker game where you play as in, on, like, uh, why can't I remember the name of it? I don't know anything you're saying right uh, now. We've reviewed so many games. People who hear Mar Barker will know. It's the one where you go to, like, Planet uh mesoamerica and and you play as humans but all the cool other races are like naked flesh lumps that live in the wilderness <laughs> uh anyway um to get back to it uh there's a skill system you get some points to, to invest into that are we ready to talk about skills or do we want to talk oh you want to talk about basic yes i was going resolution? to i was gonna say we should probably actually say how you do anything in this it's a weird system uh that i that it it looks fun at first glance and i still am not quite sure what to make of it so the game will be entirely based on rolling 2d10 mm-hmm. uh and it's not percentile it's 2d10s added together yes against the target number the base target number is seven. Mm-hmm. That will change depending on, you know, varietal things of are you having an advantage or is it dark or whatever can change the number. Yep. But what you have is a number of dice based on your stat and skill. But mm-hmm. wait a minute, you say a number of dice. I thought you just said you only rolled 2d10. Yeah, now this is a weird idea. I don't know why they did this, because it feels like it muddies the linguistic waters quite a, quite a bit. But let's say your character has a three ranking in sword and a coordination of two, which means you would have five dice in sword, but you always roll d10, right? Well, what you do is, for every die that you have above or below two, you either add or subtract two to the roll. So, for example, in that situation where you have a, a combined swinging a sword rating of five dice, you would roll 2d10 and then add 6 to it because you have 3 dice above 2, which would add up to uh, 3 2s added to your roll or 2d10 plus 6. Yes. Now, what you can do as well, which even furthers the I don't know why weird, they put this in. like obfuscation of what's good or not, uh, if you have more than 2d10, mm-hmm. you can decide to instead of take a plus 2, add another roll and just take the best 2d10. So that way, your max number that you can get, because this is a game with degrees of success, is not going to be as high as far as the ceiling goes, but your chance of regular success goes up. Mm -hmm. So there is a point where you'll be looking at things like, all right, if I don't care what the degree of success is, I just want to, like, succeed, and I've got say 3d10, I'll probably just roll all three rather than take the plus two because I want to guarantee I get over this target number. 
But if you're looking at something that's like, oh, I have to actually hit like, I don't know, a 15 or a 16 on 2d10, I'll probably want to take the plus two just because it's going to be hard to hit it without it. So just to be clear, the average roll on 2d10 is what, five and a half? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that means if you have three dice, then you're getting seven and a half if you don't roll the extra die, which means that with three dice, you're hitting the average difficulty for almost everything in the game. So it has to be a really weird corner case for where you'd be like, no, I think I'll roll, like, I've got six dice for this, so I'm gonna, I can either roll 2d10 plus 10, which is gonna hit virtually, it's gonna hit 15 and a half on average, it's well, gonna do almost... Eight. Uh, six pl- oh, sorry, you're right, plus eight. So it's going to hit 13 and a half on average, beating even the hard roll on the uh, in the game. Or I guess I could sacrifice one to roll. It's confusing. I don't know why you'd bother. It feels... And it's also presented in the full italics in a sidebar, which makes me feel like it's optional. Yeah, the, <laughs> the idea behind you can roll some dice extra instead of just the 2d10 made me immediately go, don't go back on what your design decision was. Your decision was... Every D10 past the two is just a plus two or a minus two. Once you start adding in, well, maybe you want to roll an extra die. I'm like, just stop, man. Just mm-hmm. don't. Now, you may uh, you may find yourself wondering, well, how does this all come together if you're trying to fight swords with someone else? Now, this get, this is where it gets fun. Let's say that you're that aforementioned person I talked about earlier who had two coordination and three in swords, so they have a total of five dice. And if they were not rolling against someone else, they'd roll two D10 plus six. Now, let's say they're trying to fight someone who has one coordination and has three sword as well. So they have four dice. When you roll against them, you take your dice total and subtract their dice total. So you take your five dice and subtract their four dice. And now you have one die and you're looking at one die and going, well, I can't roll two. I can't roll one D10. It's a two D10 game. Luckily, that's one less than two. So you'll take minus two instead. So when you try to roll against them, your roll is still against that target number of seven on average. And you roll two D10 minus two to see if you can hit them. Yep, and when they're trying to hit you, they're, they're going to be uh, minus four to yeah. hit you. And I'm sorry, when you you would not have one die. You'd have one die over the 2d10 total, giving you a 2d10 plus two to hit them. They'd be at negative one at 2d10 minus two to hit you. Yeah. Okay, that's where it is. It, so that's, uh, well, no, you were right the first time. Was I? Shoot, okay. Because they have five dice, the other person has four, they have one die remaining, mm-hmm. which means... They have to take a minus two to get to the second die. No, you're right. Thank you very much. That's a good point. It's not one die over 2d10. It's one die under 2d10. Yep. Okay. Very good. And uh, and then there's a chart for the the variance from the, the target value you needed to hit and uh, and how much you got above or below it. Although I, I do want to just say really quick, the confusion that you had there is honestly the way that the system should have worked, which is... Anything over a zero is additive, and anything under a zero is subtractive. subtractive. Yeah. But instead, it's, oh, I've got a one in this skill. What does that mean? You're only minus two. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I have a positive one, so I have to roll it minus two? This is stupid as shit. <laughs> it's confusing and complicated. I do want, at this point, before I start calling this game stupid as shit and so on, I do want to quickly throw out a concession that this book opens with people saying, the dedication in this book is very heartfelt and warm, um, and it mentions that, hey, this is our first game ever, and we really want you to do play it your way and be have fun with it and make changes as you need to see fit. And it's a very, for 1997, it's a very forward, it's a very progressively written game. So I want I want to put that out there before I start pointing out that the math gave me a fucking headache. I just want to, I just want to say that. Oh yeah, one of the other things that I absolutely love about that whole combat system with the 
uh, subtracting someone else's dice from your dice, is they then give you an alternate way to calculate it that gives you the exact same result. They're just like, hey, in case you wanted to do a different level of math, here's another calculation you can do that's still going to end up with you at minus two. Start by doubling the number of dice you have. And then it's like, uh, as soon as I realized it was going to, basically I saw that paragraph and it said alternate method of figuring this out. I read to the bottom of the paragraph and it was like, as you can see, it has the same result. And I was like, I'm not reading this. I have better things to do with my time than read a new, different way to do the same math problem. Thank you so much. Yep. Math is math. <laughs> Why did you try to change math? Oh, man. The uh, <laughs> the skills in this have a max of six ranks. Mm-hmm. And as we mentioned, your stats can go up to three. So the most you could ever roll, well, have roll is a nine so plus four. 14 2d10 plus 14 is the maximum roll you can make without any kind of like i don't know magical alteration or stunt mechanic being added to it or anything like yeah and they do have a positive or negative roll result chart that goes up to like plus 30 or whatever now when i talk about this game using every part of the role-playing game zeitgeist buffalo uh, that shows up in skills as well there are three kinds of skills innate learned learned and studied and each one is a different whole thing. Innate is skills that anyone can try, even if you're bad at them. Yeah, um, even if you don't have it, you can still try to roll. Because it's stuff like running and swimming and bartering and stuff like that, where anyone can kind of try to barter. They don't have to like go to school for it. Yeah. Learned is you probably grew up learning how to do this. Uh, if people, if you don't know how to do it, you can still try, but you'll be really, really bad at it. Oh, yeah. It's the kind of thing where you're like, all right, someone probably taught you how to do this, but it's not like so difficult that you couldn't at least attempt to do so. One of my favorite things about this is that there are skills that are in both categories. Hand-to-hand is in both of them. No. Maneuver Strike is in one of them, and Hand-to-Hand is in the other. And they do the same thing. (laughs) It even mentions in the Hand-to-Hand one, because that's the learned one, while Maneuver Strike is in the and the innate one, it, it says, this is the same thing as Maneuver Strike and uses the same set of rules. And I'm like, why is it in both then? Well, because well, you, you might have learned to be a karate man. Well, you see, this game also has the ability to say, well, this is a helping skill, so maybe yeah. I can add it on. So if you have Maneuver Strike and hand-to-hand... That, that's called, uh, I think they're called secondary skills. Uh-huh. And, and if you're rolling a secondary skill, you roll your primary skill plus half the value of your secondary skill as described by the DM, rounded down, uh, and, and add that many dice to your die pool. Yep. So you can have a reason to have hand-to-hand and strike at the same time. I believe that at, that that increases your your max to 2d6 plus 20. Well, I also think... 2d10 plus 20, excuse uh, me. The hand-to-hand, I think, technically might cover both parry and strike, which are two different skills yeah. in the innate category. I believe it is, yes. Uh, so if you... But uh, the, the, thing, the weird thing is, there's no rule about how many skills from each one of these buckets you can take innate skills are just like oh if you don't have anything at least you have this so and even then you're not good at it you're still rolling at a huge penalty if you didn't invest points in it well innate is you just roll stat yeah but the the uh there's no reason not to take the learned one which gives you the values of three of the innate skills and at the same cost i mean i feel like Hand me the book because i want to look at something with this While, while you're doing that i'll talk about studied uh studied is like a bunch of knowledge skills, effectively. Uh, And the difference between studied and learned is that you can specialize in studied skills. 
If you do that, if you're like, well, I'm a, I, I'm, lear- I'm studied in biology, but I have a plus one in snakes and a minus one in anything that isn't snakes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that one, there's... Because I've got herpetology. Yeah, exactly. You know all about danger noodles and uh, nope ropes or whatever the fuck people call them. Those jokes aren't funny anymore, all right? Thank you. Moving on. Oh, you're still going? Okay, great. Here I no, go. No, I'm, I'm, I'm reading it. <laughs> and... <laughs> Snack, I think, is another thing that co- people constantly say about snakes now. It's, it's so weird because you're like, oh, hand-to-hand is the basic ability to fight you can do any of the combat maneuvers but someone with these skills will usually be better at it uh-huh i don't understand I don't why. why yeah it doesn't say how or why it just says they are yeah sure okay it doesn't mechanically back that sentence up i think it's because you can do hand-to-hand for anything rather than buying any given single thing like if i just buy like combat maneuver strike mm-hmm. and i don't buy combat maneuver grapple parry all the other things then i can't do those but if i buy hand to hand i can but then i can also buy maneuver to be a secondary skill for my hand to hand so i could be like right well i get two in maneuver strike so it's have so i get an extra die in my hand to hand that's fair i mean yeah especially with the logarithmic point ascension in terms of buying ranks and skills oh yeah there's a point where you'll just be like oh it's way cheaper for me to get two points in strike than it is for me to try to get another point in hand-to-hand. Or I can't buy that. Yeah, okay, so that, I guess that makes sense. Uh, then let's move on from skills to traits. Traits are basically merits and flaws. And boy, are they flawed uh, for a couple of them. There's a couple of mistake ones in there. That One of them made me so confused that I messaged John a couple days ago. I was like, wait, you could have a negative contact in this? So you may think to yourself, okay, normally you can get points, you can spend points to acquire a contact, or you can like lose points to, or gain points uh, to spend later by taking a negative thing. So a, a flaw, right? And contacts is both, because you can have a contact who can't help you. Yeah. Now, I, you think to yourself, okay, a contact, that'd be like an enemy, right? No, enemy's a different category. Yeah. A contact who can't help you is a contact who right now, for whatever reason, maybe you owe them money, maybe they're in jail, maybe you can't find them, can't help you. Yeah, um, it's like the A team, but mm-hmm. you can't find you them. You can't find so them. So you can't hire them. But in order in exchange for saying, "Oh, I don't know where the A team is," you can have like 5 points to spend on other things. Now, the difference between not knowing where the A team is and not knowing what the A team is <laughs> is that you get 5 points for one of them, and in the in, in the same one that you get the 5 bonus points for, if you found the A team later, they become a regular contact for you. So it's straight up like there's no reason not to load up on as many negative contacts as possible because they're just like not contacts, but you get points for them. Yeah, it was a very stupid thing where when I had first looked at the negative contact thing, I had initially thought, ah, enemy. oh, no, not enemy. I thought it was they're basically using you the way you would use a contact and that they're like, you owe this person favors. Yeah, and this person will that. call on you to do stuff. It mentions that. It says that maybe you owe them a big favor and that's why they're not a very useful contact right now. But again, someone you owe a big favor to is still someone where if you pay them off, they become a real contact, which is better than just no, having no contact at all, negative or positive. I mean, if it's I owe someone a bunch of money and that's the only contact I have. And yeah. then once we're done, they're like, great, I don't want anything to do with you now because your debt's paid. Fuck off. Even then, you still got five bonus points for saying it. I mean, the only thing you could think, oh, well, great. It's because you're in huge debt to someone like Jabba, whatever. They're going to come collect. But you don't have to say that because one of the options was just they can't help you right now. Oh, yeah. You could just be like, oh, I've got a super cool friend and he's great, but he's currently 
I don't know, on the run and he's exiled and everyone hates him. So I've got a Can't sexy model him. I've got a sexy model girlfriend, but she's in Canada doing an FHM shoot. Yeah, the fact that you are allowed to get around the fact that it could be a negative thing and just say, Oh, it's a nothing, but I get points for it is it's bad it's the, very bad a lot of the rest of them are just the same shit you see in every merits and flaws list every well, yeah you it, also have the like oh i've got a quirk that i have to do i've got a personality thing yeah. so i'm ambidextrous i'm not very good at flying i'm kind of clumsy i've got one eye you know well, no, the the personality thing is the same as the class clown thing where you're like i promise i'll tell a lot more jokes than i normally would yeah i won't but i'll get the bonus points well i mean that or you're like what is this Oh, I'm kind of a pervert. I'm going to make this game uncomfortable. And if anyone calls me on it, I'll say, but that's my my yeah. thing. Also, I'm going to put out a challenge to uh, people writing these kinds of games now. I think if you want to include has a terrible secret from the rest of the party, it should cost points and not give you bonus points. <laughs> make a game like that where if someone's like, I'm evil and I don't want the party to know. I don't think role playing works like a play. I think it works like I actually keep secrets from my friends. It, that should have, cost them points to be that much of a dick face. They have two different versions of it as well. Because there's, I have a terrible secret, and then there's, I have a secret identity. And <laughs> yeah. there are two different things. Now, I want to mention one more in specificity. Oh, by the way, also, the, all the cast systems are here. So if you want to be like the highest cast, blessed wing-having guy, that costs 10 of your points. And you're supposed to start at positive, or finish at positive 10. You start at zero, you finish at positive 10. Yeah, and you, you know... The game says, well, if your GM wants, they can make it 15 or 5 or whatever they really want to do. Yeah. But again, the baseline is 10. Yeah. Um, so if you want to be the super high cast uh, pure, that costs 10 points. If you want to be, and it drops to cost 5, cost nothing, minus 10, minus 20 for the various cast levels you could be at. Uh, you do still need to go buy the power of flying wings if you want to be a pure. So it's a total of 30 points coming from somewhere to to uh, to have a flying wingy man. Yeah. Um. Now... What was I going to get at? Oh, weird sensitivity was the last one I wanted to mention. It's it's the ability to sense if there's like more or less magical energy in an area than normal. Uh, you can make a roll. This is a trait. It's not a skill or a power or anything. Uh, you can make a roll to see if like this area's got more magic than usual. And maybe if it does, you can try and draw that magic with your magic spells if you're a magic spell man. Uh, normally, what you would do instead is just try to draw that magic and maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. So that part doesn't do fuck all. Like you could be like, oh, I'll check in advance to see if my spell will work. No, versus I'll try and use my spell. It doesn't work. Oh, these are mechanically identical. I'm glad I spent five points on this. Now, while you're thinking I shouldn't have spent five points on this ability that does nothing, don't worry, it does do something. It makes you weaker to save against magic. Yeah, you're a minus one to your body because of your sensitivities. Because you're so sensitive to magic that if someone tries to manipulate you with it, oh no, you're more susceptible. So what we have here is a costly trait that does nothing beneficial and actually has a hindrance attached to it instead. Yep. So just wanted to put, point that out there. May, I know it's from 1997, but maybe, guys. Hey, let's, I mean. Let's try that one again. Huh? This is this is classic system mastery, Jeff being angry at the merits and flaws system. Hey, you haven't had it in a while, and here it is. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm, I know we're already at like an hour, so we're going to have to commit to making this a long episode because we still haven't talked about the fucking powers of the spells. Well... The powers is, you choose to either have superpowers or spells. Mm -hmm. If you choose you to have... You can have both, I think. Because uh, otherwise, because you can make spellcasters who have wings. Yes. So I think you can at least get the wingy dings. Yeah. It's, it's weird because 
the way that they set it up is they're like, oh yeah, you know, if if you have the innate powers, then you are a shard and you are different from people that have learned magic and mm-hmm. you don't do that. And it's just the difference between being a sorcerer and a wizard in D&D. Yeah, and shards are brand new and they're still trying to force them into their caste system any way they can figure out how. So they've created a system called guilds that organize shards by what kind of powers they have so that they can still kind of fit them into somewhere on the cast ranks. Yeah, they're like, all right, well, you're better than just being a regular plebe, but you might be someone that's like, oh, I'm the thing, but I have no wings. And they're like, well, fuck where do we put you then yeah well obviously if we don't put you somewhere you'll rebel and you have superpowers so uh here you are you're at like the priest tier, i guess and you get i a- mean it's basically like oh you can be a merchant class or whatever someone yeah. that's not a royal but still has power Congrats. quit trying to do things but you get a free refill on the sodas <laughs> you get to join the members club <laughs> you can sit in the special lounge at the airport look you get a 10 percent off coupon <laughs> um but the powers work in that all of them are discrete powers divided into categories. Mm-hmm. And when you make your character, you pick one of the categories. So, you know, you might pick, oh, I'm in, I've got air powers or water powers or fire powers or whatever. Yeah. The problem with that, of course, being those ones, all the elemental ones, have like six or seven different powers in that category that you can choose from. Yeah. There are some, like, say the friction-based power set that just has adhesion and turning friction off for someone. Mm -hmm. Two powers in it. Great. Yeah. There's wings is its own entire superpower section. Yep. There's two of them that have one power, at least two. I think might be more that have just one power in them. Yeah. Darkness just has create darkness. Yeah. And then the, the probably the worst one is weird defense. Yeah. Which just has weird armor, which only works against spells, but not, spells that create a thing literally just oh i try and like use a spell to affect your mind or spirit then it works but if someone hucks a fireball at you get fucked yeah you get armor that reduces damage from stuff like decay but not from like acid touch because that makes acid or firebolt because that makes fire and you're taking fire damage not magic damage yeah so please buy and if you are taking when you create a super sh- a shard you choose one category like i said yeah and if you <laughs> did you already talk the cost differences as well i was about to okay please do yeah you you pick one, you get powers from that, and it's fine. If you want anything else, it's a 10-point surcharge. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, each power has a tier. You pay... This is the only one where it's not additive, oddly enough. Yep. But for the first five levels, it's just 10 points, get you the next level. Yep. And then it's 20 points for the next five levels. Yeah, and they, this game has something I love to see in old superhero games from the 90s. Uh, this game's less edgy than a lot of the other late 90s, early 2000s superhero games, but it's got one of my favorite little bits, which is taking the first rank of a superpower, which is fucking worthless and hilariously used. Like, you wouldn't even know you had a power that, oh, yeah. that level of weak. Like, if you take Resist Cold Tier 1, you are comfortable at at temperatures three degrees colder than other people would be comfortable. Yeah. The, the cold powers and fire powers that have the resist heat and cold are so laughably bad at the beginning that you're just like all right great um if i have resist fire or resist cold if someone attacks me with a fire or cold then i can at least reduce it by one One tier yeah one tier or one die 
Um, but if if uh, if it's like, oh, well, the other part of it is that it lets you be more comfortable in environments of various varying degrees, three degrees hotter or three degrees colder. And again, I didn't I don't know if I mentioned this earlier. I think I did that. This game has a hyper specificity problem mm-hmm. um, where this it applies here, too, because they tell you the temperature range. They're like most people are, t- are comfortable in temperatures between 110 and 32 degrees Fahrenheit. So if you have cold tier resist one, you're comfortable at 29 degrees Fahrenheit. Ooh, boy. Or 113 if you have resist fire one. You could almost live in Arizona. Good for you. The I mean, the other thing is like you look at wings level one. It's like you can fly at two miles per hour. Great. <laughs> Thank you. What does that even look like? That's like stall speed. You'll oh, get... <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how you. that seems like it would take more effort. It would. than regular flying. That's like that's like you're a hummingbird now. You're in. You are a cartoon character vulture that's just like, <sighs> it's like a hot girl in the old DC animated universe where she'd flap her wings like once every time they animated her because it would just look weird if they didn't. Yeah. So, but, but then she'd mostly just fly around with her wings just sort of folded behind her back. It was like, those things are for show, aren't they? They're 100% for show or as weapons. Yep. Uh, anyway. Okay. Um, now. Uh, go ahead. I'll just finish up with the powers, then yeah. we can go on to the spells. Lots to say. Yep. So the powers, like I mentioned, you've got different tiers. Each tier that you go up increases the defense or the damage or whatever effect you're trying to do. And again, the higher the tier, the more absolutely fucking ridiculous it gets. Yes, yeah. Because you can get something like, and again, with the whole specificity thing, if I get uh, like... Sound as my category, I can have sound armor. So I can create armor based on like sound waves. Mm -hmm. And then it gives me a breakdown of whether or not someone hits me with an attack, whether I'm defending at tier or tier plus or tier minus for every type of attack there is in the game. Mm -hmm. So they're like, oh, well, with sound, if someone attacks you with uh sound then it's standard at tier but if they attack you with fire then you're at tier minus one yeah all the armors work like that and it's optional you can be like you can either say oh my power just is uh it's optional for the for the dm not for you uh to be like oh well either you use this list or you just have your armor just have the armor value And, and in most cases you want just the armor value because like if you look at the air armor it's plus against air and plus against sound and minus against everything else oh yeah there are very clearly some winners and losers in the armor section yeah like i mean earth armor great against literally everything yeah uh air armor pretty much worthless unless someone's shooting air bolts at you yeah unless you know for certain like all right well i'm about to go up against banshee and he's gonna yell at me yeah so i guess i'll have air armor uh the other thing i thought kind of funny in the power section was the tendency for the author of the powers to get lost in the weeds Hmm. Uh, notably with a couple of the power the, for, there's two things I want to talk about here one of them is naming conventions where when you look at like control air you think okay that's like move air around right like you can sort of create cushions of air for people to land on create little gusts of wind move people around no it makes an air elemental and you can you can kind of radio control that air, air elemental to punch your allies or enemies or whatever I mean they can you, punch your allies sure why not you can have them chuck them on the shoulder give them two for flinching uh, but w- what if you do just want to move air around well that's the power wind uh, or the power wind force. There's two powers. They do they do two different things, but they're both move air around. Well, yeah, because wind is just to create wind, and wind force is if 
I don't know, you want a metal band. You want, yeah, or gust of wind to create a, a super powerful burst that pushes someone unless they weigh 2,310 pounds. Uh, meanwhile, if you go over to electricity, there's electricity summon a little electricity man, and then there's control electricity, and you think, oh, okay, well, I read control air, so I know control electricity makes a little electricity golem. No, it moves electricity around. Yay! Okay, okay. Now, the other thing I want to talk about is alter your body to ice, or turn your body to ice as a power. Yep. And you think, oh, neat, okay, ice man, I, I understand. You, here's, here's a list, you can make the slide, you can kind of chill the area around you maybe you can shoot cold beams no you you your skin is jagged so you can do knife damage to people yeah uh, and it's very little damage uh and then the next four paragraphs which wrap up the entirety of the description of what ice powers are are how easy it is to shatter you and kill you now <laughs> that's the only thing they seem to care about and it's supposed to be really hard it's like hey if if uh you have a body of six or a body of eight, then you multiply it by, like, two, and now your body is 16. But if anyone does that much damage to you right now, you shatter and die. Yeah, it it gives you plus to body per tier. Mm-hmm. So you don't even get the multiplicative. If you got to tier four, you'd get plus eight body. So at tier four, you'd at least be a, a double. You, okay, that gives you, for an average starting character who has this power, you'd have 16 body. And and you're, so that means that you have, you'd have a BPV, your body shatter value, whatever they call it, of uh, of 16. Now, there's a spell, a second level spell, so any idiot can cast it, called Shatter, that does 18 BPV damage. So if you turn to ice, any wizard just murders you. Oh yeah, I'd also like to say, if someone else has a tier 4 damage spell, its damage baseline is 16, so go fuck yourself. Don't turn into an Iceman, and maybe don't spend the entire description of your Iceman spell describing how easy it is to kill you now. Why would you cast this, or use this power, rather? Ugh. Okay, and then there's spells. Uh, Spells have yet another different kind of cost range. Yeah, because instead of having, oh, I pick a power, and then it gets better as I put more points into it, spells are... Oh, there are spells at tiers, so rather than raising one spell to a tier four, you get a tier four spell. Yeah, you purchase the spells. Uh, they track their their own uh, interior track for damage and so on is either static or based on a value calculated from your aura score. Uh, each one of them costs more. It's a, it's a logarithmic cost progression based on the level you'd like to purchase. A level one spell costs one, a level three spell costs three, so on and so forth. Or two spell costs three, so on and so forth. Um... So that means you can get way more variety of spells if you want to. But they are described as less powerful and less active. In my experience, the cost of the shard powers is so high by comparison that this is not true. You get you get way less powers, and as we previously mentioned, a lot of them do one thing and sometimes not really even that. Oh, I mean, what you want are the powers that do one thing. Yeah, but Because really well. then, if you're like... Because we didn't mention it, but probably the best thing in this game is the alter either self or someone else. Yeah. Well, where you can all- change their stats. Yeah. And you can go, oh, great. Uh, so normally a stat goes from negative three to positive three. Well, I have this at tier seven, so I'm going to give you plus 36 to one of your stats. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Yes. Uh, or you can just take one of the blast powers and get it at tier seven and be like, I do 39 damage. What's your body score? Oh, you've got really high stats. So your body score is 12. You die. It did not matter. Yeah. None of this mattered. You're dead. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the thing with the shard powers is if you really want to go all in on one of them, you just go, all right, well, this is my thing. And if you don't save against it, you are absolutely fucked. Yeah. Now, um, you may think, OK, well, maybe the difference is that 
uh, spells cost weird to cast and powers are always on or something. No, powers aren't always on. You cost what you spend weird to cast them. Yep, it's the same thing. You have to cast spells with weird. You have to use your powers with weird. You also have to spend endurance to do anything, so you're constantly tracking stuff. <laughs> oh, also, there is a calculation you can find for if you want to downcast a power. Oh, yeah, you can't so, upcast, but you can downcast spells and powers. Yeah, so if I have a tier 5 power and I'm like, ooh, I could use the full cost of this or use it at tier 4 four instead of tier five and now i have to do a fractional calculation to figure out how many points i spend now the last thing i think i really want to talk about i, I mean i could mention some of the spells i, I, I mostly they're just the powers but a specific level of it yes now uh spoiler alert i made a spell caster for the bonus content so if you're in on our patreon you'll learn a few of the spells by name at that point i do want to mention distinctions there are four kinds of spellcaster you can play as that choose that that tell you which spells you are allowed to choose. They are uh, word weaver, which is like someone who's in tune with nature and kind of druidic magic. Word dancer, which is more animalistic and dance expressionist. Wilder, which is like a wizard who just rips power out of the air, the, the world and, and uh, throws spells out into the ether. And blight crow. And Blight Crows are evil and you're not allowed to play as them, which is kind of sad given that like half the spells are Blight Crow only. Well, the yeah, I was going to say there's a, cup, a couple abilities from the shards and then a bunch of spells that are like, what is this? Oh, this is evil. Look, if you use a spell where you touch someone and drain their life force, that's evil. But if you just set them ablaze and turn them into ashes... <laughs> that's for good guys. Acid touch, fine. Melty touch, bad. <laughs> yeah, if I turn you into the guy from the Holy Grail who chose poorly, <laughs> that's evil. But if you melted him with acid, that's science. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and Blight Crows are like defilers from Dark Sun. They rip the life energy out of anything nearby. They work like Sith. They're like bad guys, but there can never be more than one of them because eventually one of them would cast a spell that would kill the other one. So they, they always work alone or with dumb minions who are like, I don't care if you drain my life force. I don't even think you can. That said, when you read about Blight Crows, you're like, well, they drain life force out of stuff. Uh, and then they get their life force back over time. And you're like, wait, what? So do they kill things? They can't. They can knock things unconscious. Oh, okay. Well, then it doesn't really sound that. E I mean, it's not nice, but it's not, no. the, it's not the evilest thing I've ever heard of. It's the evilest thing in the world. It's kind of a dick move, but... Yeah. <laughs> if your players think they would like to play as this, break up with them and move to another state. <laughs> you need witness protection for this shit. Uh, the last thing... I want to talk about weapon damage real quick. Sure. It's not super bad. It's just weird. They use a sword, for example. Um, a sword's weapon damage on this, this in this game is listed as, like, broadsword damage. Two slash four slash six slash eight. And what that means is that for... Uh, for each if it's you success based yeah it's success based and if you just hit the target difficulty you were trying to hit you do two if you beat it by one through three extra dice you do four uh three through five extra dice six anything more than six extra dice eight damage i don't know why you keep saying dice uh, oh uh well, by va value you're right yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm used to thinking i'm thinking before and after here uh so now, you may think, okay, that's pretty easy to understand. And in fact, they even call it the 25, 50, 75, 100% system. Except that the moment you actually go look at the weapons, very few of them are 2, 4, 6, 8. Most of them are things like 0, 0, 1, 1, 1, 3, 7, 12, to 2, 2, 1, 5. And you're like, what the fuck? Why does this one stop? What, what <laughs> Why did you call this by this percentage system if they don't follow it? And really, the only thing I wanted to get at by mentioning that is that... Um, 
this game is one of those games where you need the book open to every page of the game all the time to remember shit, or just to have written absolutely everything about everything down. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the effect for your abilities and spells and stuff like that, you're like, all right, well, I'd probably write that down because, you know, I have a couple spells or a couple abilities, so I'll write down whatever weird number is that you have to look up in a chart. Yeah. Sure. But every other time you do something, you're like, there's no chance that I'm going to remember the success ratio chart of like, if I got plus one to plus two and then plus three to plus five, I don't know where it ends or starts. The book does consistently eh. encourage you to memorize the additive track. You know, the, the, where, where uh, one is one, two is three, uh, three is six, all the way up to 10 is 55. They want you to memorize that track so because it shows up a lot. And it does. On virtually every table in the game, one of the column entries is the additive track. And it's something different on every table, which is infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's pretty much everything that's in here. Do you want to get to final thoughts? Sure. What's your favorite thing about this game, John? <sighs> you know, the game actually ends up, when you first start reading it, it's like, Hey, we tried to make a generic system. Yeah, they call it the uh, creative creation system or something. Yeah, that you could use for, you know, not quite anything. Mm -hmm. But they're like, we wanted a fairly generic system that would be, you know, flexible enough that if you wanted to do this running like a game of detectives, you'd just be like, all right, you don't have magic powers. You just, you know, pick your skills and run around, whatever. Yeah. And the baseline like negative three to positive three, the dice thing. I was like, that's, I like having a tight range that you can control. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, of course, the game then gives you the ability to get plus 76 to your stat, <laughs> so it fucks its own self up, but... Well, yeah, we'll just say the dismount is excellent and the landing isn't quite as good <laughs> as you'd hope. It looked like you were really doing yeah. great there, and I then all of a sudden, whoop! I don't even agree with that. To me, the plus three to negative three, followed by the extremely complicated math of how you roll your, your combat resolution. I was like, wait a minute. Am I reading Don't Look Back? Terror is never far behind again. But but no, I, I kind of see where you're coming from. It starts simple and has a generic concept to it. Creative system, by the way, is what they call their, their basic resolution mechanic. I was trying to remember that. I do also enjoy in the degree of success chart yeah. that... For the most part, even if you fuck up, you have to have fucked up real bad for it to do anything to you. Because even if you go like, all right, I got negative nine, which means I rolled nine under the target number. Mm -hmm. So if I was trying to get to seven, I rolled a minus two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at that point, even then, you're still like, oh, you know, people are like, ha, that was dumb. And maybe you have disadvantage for your next roll. I'll be honest, I remember that on the chart where there's a certain level where you gain advantage and disadvantage on rolls. I don't fucking know what those are. <laughs> I don't remember seeing that in the combat system. Like this game's combat system had so many different things going on that I got lost in the weeds in there and I didn't see advantage or disadvantage anywhere but on that contract that that uh resolution chart. Uh it it's just a plus 2 or a minus 2. Oh, okay. It's basically add a die or subtract a die. All right, that's fair. But yeah, the fact that you would have to get to like negative 10 or worse mm -hmm. for it to really mess you up means even if you fail a roll 
most of the time you're going to be like, okay, that's fine. You can attempt things that you might not otherwise just because you're like, oh, I don't have a great role for this, but if I roll well, I can do it. And if I don't roll great, I'm still only going to just fail and I won't screw myself. That's fair. Which the degree of success systems can sometimes get a little... Eh. Yeah. How about, how about you? What's your favorite? My favorite thing is the story. I really like the setting here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's interesting. I mean, the cast system, of course, is a little stupid, but I, I appreciate it all the same. I think this would make a pretty good graphic novel or comic book or something where you've got all these winged people. And it's not just the whole like society thing I like, but I like the, the overarching story. One of the things I like about campaign settings in general is when so- when the campaign setting is built with an end goal and when something big has recently happened. I can't fucking stand a campaign setting that's static and has been the same for the previous thousand years. Forgotten Realms can suck a dick. It's, I mean, sure, anyone anyone can suck a dick. That's a, that's a, a skill to be rewarded. But, I mean, it's Forgotten Realms sucks. How about that? How about Forgotten Realms uses teeth? It, yeah, it's it's the worst at it because, um, well, Greyhawk is the worst at it. Yeah. But yes. But it's the same thing where it's like, oh, nothing ever changes here. And if it does, we apologize for it on the next edition and change it back. Sorry. <laughs> Oops, we tried innovating. Eberron is one where I really like it because it's like, oh, something recently happened. The Day of Mourning recently happened and it shook up the world and now you have to refine your place in it. I don't like static. I like changing in my campaign setting because it keeps things interesting and gives me story hooks. Here, the world's been the same for 2,000 years, but recently someone fucked up magic real bad and they broke the world and now the the jungles are, are flooding up with water because someone accidentally watered up the world somehow and the, the bubble that they live in is burst and there's lava cracks and water happening and now there's an impetus to escape their, their prison plant that there has never been before. Well, yeah, because before, when you read about the setting, you're like, oh, it's, it's like a jungle planet. There's mm-hmm. plenty of resources you have to deal with you know, some wild animals or whatnot, but, you know, it's not like they put them on, like, a desert somewhere and it's hard scrabble. They're like, oh, no, we have plenty of whatever we need. Yeah. It's just now things are fucked up and they're like, all right, we should probably try and get out. And they call it a bubble world for reasons I understand. I mean, this isn't this isn't hollow earth. This isn't a thing where they're, like, on the inside of a sphere and they coat the No inside. Dyson sphere here. It's not a Dyson sphere or a hollow earth system where they where like they're, like coating the interior of a sphere it's literally a bubble they live on a flat earth that is contained in a bubble of atmosphere mm-hmm. uh, and the if they if they basically st- like a pocket reality yes and if they stay the way things are now they'll all drown the world will fill with water and they'll die yay so there's an impetus to get out of it and and i like that kind of thing so i, I like that there's a there's a, a drive behind the game and there's a whole bunch of intrigue and mystery and a lot of different guilds and so on I, that stuff i appreciated mm-hmm so I like the story. What's your least favorite thing here? Oh, it's it's definitely the high tier powers or high tier spells where it just breaks the math of the game to be a game of did you have the same or better tier of a defense to my offense? Mm-hmm. Did you not? You are absolutely wrecked. Yeah, because you can do things. I mean, in addition to the I can add, you know, plus 36 onto a stat that's normally at best plus three. You can also do things like, yeah, I make it so your stat's minus 20. Okay, you can't do anything with yeah. that stat now. Yeah. Your coordination is now minus 20. You can never hit anything ever again. You don't get to go. You suck. It's yeah, Like you mentioned earlier, it's got the same problem Scion has, where at a certain level, you don't need to roll dice anymore. It's just comp- You can just look at each other's character sheets and be like, I will win this fight. Yeah, the math breaks at yeah. certain points, and you just go, oh, okay. This is just a win or don't win. Yeah. 
And uh, for my least favorite thing, I'm not even going to say the broken math. I'm just going to say the preponderance of math is my least favorite thing. The this, many different calculations. There's too many. There's too many different kinds of calculations, whether, it, whether we're talking how to calculate your substats. Each one of them is a different thing, and it gets confusing. The multipliers for each one of your stats is, is weighted, and that's confusing. Uh, the fact that some skill purchases are logarithmic, others are simply uh, power purchases are, are progressive. Spells are their own whole thing. It's impossible to keep it in your head what you're going to pay for what in this game. And then, of course, there's a difference between the build points you start the game with and the XP you learn during the game as well. Yeah. So it's it's just there's too much. They could have unified so much of this and had one core mechanic. And then the book wouldn't have been 270 pages of rules and 30 pages of story. Oh, yeah. I think I mean, having a base, we just want to do a 2D 10 add together. And that's the only thing you do for everything. I'm like, that's great. Yeah. Make that your core thing. And don't go off in weird corner cases. Don't get lost in the weeds. This book is mostly weeds. <laughs> so much weeds. Yeah, so that's that's my least favorite thing. But would you play this game, uh, Pro- Providence? Uh, there's... Okay, we all know I love superhero stories. And there's a part of me that's like, maybe because I could just make a superhero. Yeah. But I do think it would just be weird... Mm-hmm. and I would give it a go. Like you said, it's not like the setting is bad or no, anything. It, yeah. Uh, once you get over the initial hump of trying to make a character and figure out what the hell is going on with the game, I figure you could probably do a couple sessions. Yeah. I would not play this. I would steal the story. Huh. That's that's where I'm at. Good job writing the story. I wish it had been more of the book. Huh. Good job. You <laughs> you really messed up on proportions. Yeah. Um. So that's that's where I'm at. I wouldn't want to play this, but I do really like your... You're way out there. No one is a human concept where everyone's some kind of weird thing that 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 uh, that is cosmopolitan. They mentioned there's gender equality in the world, but not yep. not species. No, it's, it's just yeah. gender equality, but it depends on your wings. Yeah, exactly. Wings are the only I, I thought that was all kind of neat. So I, while I wouldn't want to play this game because I just can't keep it in my head. I mean, I guarantee you the, there's a few games I've read and reviewed on this show that I'm going to forget faster than this one. <laughs> um, but uh I, I would I would steal the story because I thought it was fascinating. Sure. That said, I can't forget it yet because, boy, oh, boy, we're going to make bonus content characters. Spoiler alert, we already did. Uh, and we are going to tell you all about them over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash systemmastery, where if you support us at merely the $1 level, you will unlock bonus content where we make characters in the game that we just reviewed every episode. There are... Oh, gosh, 135, 140 episodes of that waiting for you at the starting value of about $2 a month. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of times where when we go into the character creation, we go a little bit deeper into certain character creation rules Mm -hmm. or the way certain abilities actually function in certain ways. So you do get a little bit more of an in-depth for looking at the characters in one of these games than we might have time for in a given episode. Yeah. Yeah, you may learn some stuff you didn't know. Otherwise, it's a good deal. There are also... What's the shit we just forget during the episode and then go, oh, I probably should have mentioned this, and we only say it during the bonus That happens all the time. I'm surprised we don't get more people mad at us about that. Well, they don't know. Yeah. But now they know. Yeah. So pay us a couple dollars and get mad that we didn't mention it during the regular episode. Yeah, there's several hundred people that know. Join them. Join them and help us out of our doldrums. (laughs) Uh, otherwise, there are other tiers you can support us at for other levels of content. Two bucks buys you a bunch of Star Wars episodes or uh, Supernatural episodes. Thank you very much, John. Woohoo! 
And uh, $5 unlocks the Afterthought and the TV Mastery episode. So there's so many levels you can get in there and support us at. But please, if you do, we love you. And if you don't, why not go leave us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher or something? Please help us counterbalance all the people who give us one star for swearing. It's <laughs> Yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> I think I swear too have, much. It's bullshit. Uh, we have, every time I do it, I'm like, why do I look at these reviews? Uh, when, uh, five or six years ago, it actually hurt my feelings when I was reading negative reviews. Aww. And you were like warning me, don't go look at comments or reviews. Never do it. Now, now it's a source of comedy for me where I look at them and they're like, these guys think that games from the 80s suck because they're not progressive. Things were just different back then. I'm like, yeah, they fucking sucked back then. Yeah, That's were, all I'm saying. Things were different back then. They weren't progressive. All I'm, I'm it not was say, bad. I'm not saying fix your shit 80s TSR. I understand linear time. <laughs> I'm saying these games aren't worth your time anymore because they fucking sucked and time moved on past them. Hmm? It's a difference, you fucking review idiots. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, I we don't do swear all fun. that much. I do still think it's funny, though. Ha ha. Don't put in the paper. I got mad. Ha <laughs> ha. I am so, so, so funny. Ha ha. Ha Yes. I wonder what Yoshi smells like when he poos an egg. Ha ha. <laughs> anyway, that's the Patreon. Please go support us there or leave us those nice reviews. And until we see you again, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you again real soon. You have a good one. 